United States Institute of Peace, along with Sirius XM's POTUS Channel 124, now present their weekly podcast. Joining me now, Samira Lawani is senior expert on South Asia at the U.S. Institute of Peace. Here to talk his, about his work on India relations. Uh, Samir, good morning. Good morning, Julie. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm glad to hear it. Uh, India has been uh, a, a notable outlier in the, in the Ukrainian saga. Tell us about it. Why did they take that position? Yeah, well, India has had a long-standing relationship with Russia for uh, basically since the 1950s during the Cold War. There are very close partners. Some would even say allies after the 1970s. We've got a long relation of uh, geopolitical alignment, of uh, defense relations. A lot of uh, Indian arms uh, and weapons platforms are sourced from Russia or the Soviet Union. Uh, some estimate, I've estimated as much as 85%. Um, and so it's really dependent on that Russia relationship. It has different calculations in the United States about Russia's future as a balancing actor in Asia, even against uh, China. And so they've concluded that they need Russia to stick around, that they have important equities in, in Russia. And um, the invasion of Ukraine notwithstanding, they plan to uh, ride it out with Russia. But as you write, um, Modi at least seemed to have uh, some doubts uh, that this was a great time for war. Certainly. I think the Indians are dead set against the actual uh, act of war in Ukraine. I think uh, in, in a way they're probably taking a position of, you know, um, uh, a pox on both their houses. Neither side should be um, engaged in war in part because obviously the, the human tragedy, but the effect on the economy, uh, the global economy for the global South has been pretty devastating. The supply chains have been affected Inflation has increased. Um, access to critical goods uh, has really affected not only India, but a lot of India's friends and partners in the global south. So it's speaking from a position of this is incredibly disruptive to the global economy. You guys both need to cut it out, uh, mm -hmm. but not necessarily taking a side mm -hmm. as to who's at fault here. I mean, Samir, do you think like if, if Russia emerges from this in pretty bad shape, which seems plausible, right? At least plausible that their economy sure. tanks, they've had a brain drain, their global realignment, and they are in a weaker spot than they are now. Will that make it easier for the U.S. to drive a wedge between uh, between India and Russia? I think it certainly could be if that's what actually materializes. And this is where I think the crux of the, uh, there's an analytic difference between the Indian and U.S. strategic communities. I think the U.S. has expected for a long time that Russia had thrown itself off a cliff that has been, it was going to be utterly dependent on China going forward, um, that their economy would tank, that they would be sort of short of critical um, microelectronics to, to make sort of the, the equipments and the, you know, the weapon systems that India sources from Russia. But India doesn't see it that way. And this is sort of a, a puzzle for us. They think that Russia is going to come out of this unscathed, relatively unscathed. They see um, that, that Europe will sort of have to make terms with Russia um, that the wedge between China and Russia is a lot deeper than we appreciate, and Russia will never submit to being a junior partner of China. And so we have different uh, bets based on different assessments. And I think the next year or two, we'll just uh, bear out who is correct on this. What does India need from the world? Well, I think uh, first and foremost, it needs capital and investment um, to 
uh, power its economy, to invest in infrastructure in the economy, uh, for job creation. India's got a wealth of human talent, 1.3 billion people, a huge market, incredible um, engineering and research and development talent, but not necessarily the capital invested to harness it all. And I think that's what it's looking for from the world. Actually, the Indian National Security Advisor is in town this week in Washington, D.C. to meet with the U.S. National Security Advisor on an initiative on critical and emerging technologies. And there's a natural partnership between the U.S. and India on a lot of these future technologies. India's got excellent scientists when it comes to artificial intelligence, autonomy, uh, biotechnology, uh, but it requires a lot of U.S. probably private sector investment in India to harness that and to create a collaborative environment. But um, that's that's uh, it's going to depend on external parties. Uh, meanwhile, India and China are having some uh, some clashes, military ones, which is actually giving China, you know, Chinese troops some, you know, on the ground experience. That's true. And this has been going on for a while. I think the the peak of this may have been in, in the summer of 2020 when China, you could say, surprise attacked India um, on a disputed border. And part of the reason why it's hard to sort of describe these as attacks is because um this border has been disputed and undemarcated for, um, you know, several decades now. Uh, and the Indians were caught by surprise. They had the first um, deaths on this border in uh, about 50 years, first uh, shots fired on this border in about 50 years. And um, since then, tensions have been fraught. There has been some de-escalation in some sectors of the border, but increased tensions in others. And, and most recently in December of this past year, um, there was uh, uh, arguably a, a, what is reported to be a Chinese raiding party that uh, attacked some posts on the Indian border. And um, there were more made, uh, significant casualties, although perhaps not deaths. But this suggests that this is, you know, this is going to be a high point of tension. The U.S. national de- uh, defense strategy has identified this as sort of one of the three critical flashpoints uh, uh, of sort of sites of aggression of the Chinese uh, People's Liberation Army. So Taiwan, the South China Sea, but then the border with India. And so they are regularly facing down uh, a threat from China um, on a daily basis. And that is what I think sort of makes common cause with the United States more than anything else. Wow. Really interesting. Samir Lawani from the U.S. Institute of Peace. Thank you so much for joining me. Thanks for having me. Have a good day. This podcast has been brought to you by the United States Institute of Peace and Sirius XM's POTUS, Channel 124.